Uh, we've been talking about worry, and last week, if we could summarize the whole message, it's this. We overcome worry when we change this question from what if, the two words in a question, what if, what if, what if, to who is. We tra transfer from worry to faith when we go from what if this happens, what if this happens, to who is. And so you can have reasons to truly worry, but worrying is dwelling and allowing our minds to lock in this mode of fear. And we become overwhelmed. And that becomes a toxic worry. And so just a real quick testimony. Um, around the same time, this is how God works. I got permission. Let's say uh, I'm going to call him George. George was struggling with work. And he was wondering, I can't stay here. It's toxic. I feel the Lord pulling me out. But I have a family. I can't just leave work. What am I going to do? There's no job lined up. And months and months of prayer, we prayed for him, and he just felt convicted. I think God's calling me to move. This is a true story of one of our members. And finally, he made the decision, and he left without a job, with, with kids. And so it was like, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I want you to understand this part. As soon as he left, he heard from a friend who said, Billy, I've been waiting five years for you to leave that company, and my way I handle things. I don't contact people to solicit them. And I was waiting for God to give you the cue, so you leave, and then when you left, I wanted you to join me as one of my higher, uh, hired hands of a company, of a job that he's been looking forward to do. Isn't that fascinating? Billy didn't see, oh, well, uh, his name is Billy, so <laughs> he didn't see, see, <laughs> but I got permission, I got permission. So he didn't see what was ahead, but he had to take the step out. And then when that happened, then he was shocked that God already had something in store. And the reason why we don't worry is we don't know the other side of what's unseen. God's active. So rather than choosing to fear, we choose to trust and surrender our worries to God. And so we're going to do part two of that because life... Um, it gets us really tired. Some of you are exhausted by worries. Some of you are exhausted by the news and just the strain of this world. And so this exhaustion, it goes to our bones. Um, do you know this commercial? Um, here it is. You know, you, you're not you when you're hungry. So who are you when you're hungry? This is a chocolate bar commercial. So there's so many commercials like Betty White is tackling people. And they're like, hey, what are you doing? You know, you have a Snickers bar. And we wish we could eat a Snickers bar and our exhaustion goes away. But this is the exhaustion that kind of lingers and, and, and really drives us and drains us because we've, we're so filled with worries. And a chocolate candy bar won't do that. And I noticed living right before God will almost always guarantee strain. If you, if you live, go with the flow of the world, do whatever you want, you probably won't experience a lot of struggle immediately. But when you live for the Lord, you will have headwind. And so when you feel this exhaustion, when you're about to crash, what do we do? And so that's what I want to talk about. When we feel this exhaustion that's going through our bones, what do we do? And so let's look at 1 Kings, and there's two sections. There's two really stories. We could make this two-part, but I wanted to put it together. The first is Elijah finds himself exhausted. And some of you, I wonder if you could relate. Look at the symptoms. He's afraid. Verse 3, then he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life. He wanted to be alone at all times. You know, you get so tired, like, just leave me alone. Just get away. I just need to be alone. And he sa it says he came to Beersheba and he left his servant there. You never do that. 
He only did that because I just need to be alone. Third, he's just physically tired. Look at all the times he slept. He sat down under this broom tree. That's a broom tree from the Middle East. And he just slept. Verse 5, and he lay there and slept. Um, it gets a little more serious. Verse 4 tells us he wanted to die. God, just take my life. I, I don't want to live anymore. I'm just so exhausted. I'm so tired. Verse 10, 9, it tells us that God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And you hear this in this exhaustion. He has this aloneness. He feels frustrated that all that he's accomplished for God in this world is meaningless. You hear this when he says, I have been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, and even I, am only left, and they seek to take my life. A little dramatic, because we'll find out later that he's not the only one. But sometimes you feel that dramatic. No one else understands my life than me. And so you feel this exhaustion, and some of you may be there. And so what happened? What's the backstory? In verse 1 and 2, it tells us, Ahab told Jezebel... Ahab was a king of Israel, Jezebel's his wife, the queen. Elijah fought the prophets of Baal, 450, and they had this match. Let's see who the real God is. We're going to have an altar, we'll put animal sacrifice on it, and we'll pray, whichever God sends fire down and burns up this altar, that's the true God. And so they had a match. They said, let's go. And the 40, 150 prophets of Baal danced, cut themselves, prayed for hours and hours, and, and then Elijah's making fun of them. Maybe he's sleeping. Talk a little louder. Nothing happened. So Elijah's turn. Elijah goes up. He doesn't just pray. He pours water on the altar. Like water doesn't burn, dude. But he prays, God, if you're the father, if you're the true living God, would you show yourself to these people that you are the living God? And fire came down and consumed the altar. It says it licked the waters. And Elijah was just stunned. And the people around him said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And so Israel just had this awakening like our God, the God of Israel is the true God, not Baal. And Elijah had all the false prophets killed because that's what happened in the Old Testament when you're a false prophet. Anyway, Ahab's still alive and he's still as feisty as ever, tells Jezebel, his wife. And Jezebel says, what? Be it ever so severe, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one who one of them by this time tomorrow. She's making a threat. Verse 3, then Elijah was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. Now the big question here is, how can you have this glorious triumph and victory and presence of God and then immediately run away scared of a queen? We're going to answer that at the very end. But for now, we're going to just look at this human side. So he's in this landscape by himself he's traveled for days and he's tired and what does God do to rejuvenate him so just a little quickly God sends an angel touches him and says get up let's eat and Elijah sees cake cooking and behold there was a jar of water that happened twice and I think this text was written over 2,000 years ago and it's still true today when we're exhausted what are the things you need to do I don't think this is anything profound. What does God do to Elijah to revive him? Give him the basic essentials of healthy food, water, rest, and just breathing. Um, I don't want to go too into it, but did you, do you know what happens when you don't get enough proper nutrition? It says poor nutrition can contribute to stress. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And it could create a tiredness in us and a capacity 
and uh, to work overtime, it contributes to health problems. When we don't drink enough water, <laughs> that's my field, our mental functions are affected, including memory, attention, concentration, and reaction time. Some of you carry jugs of water. How many of you do that? I think I've actually seen Elvin do that. And just so simple things like drinking water. And I learned this from serving at this church. How many members you, you would never realize started having like delusions and they just started mentally slurring their speech. And you know what that's caused by? It has nothing to do with the brain. It's, it's an infection that they're having, specific UTI, and it, it, urinary, urinary tract infection, and it affects their mind. Our body is crazy when things are not proper. And so what God does here for Elijah is, I want you to eat. I want you to sleep. I want you to drink water. Sometimes we look for something big, like, I need a vacation. And God's like, just eat properly. Sleep regularly. Turn off the Netflix. Turn off the YouTube. And just have some proper, you know, you know control over your life. A friend, um, actually, Elvin gave me this clue. He said when he gets angst, he says, I meditate, exercise, rest, drink a lot of water, and eat healthy. He's got it. So that's the Elijah pack. So when we're stressed and exhausted, the first thing to do that we can do is just eat properly and, and drink. It goes on. But more than the basics, the point of this is that it's not just you do it. What do we see in the text? God provides it for us. God's providing Elijah with this. Twice this broom tree is mentioned, and there's a significance to the broom tree. The broom tree, whenever it's mentioned in the Old Testament, almost always, it's kind of weird, has to do in the context of something provided for desperate people. For example, Job chapter 30, verse 3 and 4, broom tree was provided as a root that you could eat. You could eat the root of that, soft root, when people are hungry. And it also, it says in Numbers 33, 18 and 19, Israel was guided by God to uh, Rithma. You know what Rithma means? The place of the broom. So in their wilderness journey, God gave them this shelter to rest. And here we see Elijah, God provides this rest. We turn to God for basic needs. He literally gave Elijah bread and water. And what do we pray in our Lord's Prayer, folks? Give us this day, what? Our daily bread. What we're saying to God in the Lord's Prayer is you provide me with my sustenance for living. I hope you, how many of you thank God today? I'm alive and I'm here today. Can we just do that right now? Thank you, God. You provided everything I have. Some of you are thinking, no, I made this job. I got this clothes. No, God provided this for you. And so we turn to God for these basic needs. And he says, I encourage you to sleep. Take naps. Hallelujah for naps. And for busy moms, busy dads, go in your car and just turn the AC on and just, just take a moment of silence. The stillness. Work with each other to eat properly and drink a lot of water. And so one thing I want to do really quick is we take for granted breathing. Um, when you're stressed out, your blood vessels in your brain constrict and your frontal lobe doesn't get enough blood oxygen. So you, you get stressed out and your amygdala, your reptilian side of the brain takes over. And so here's the coolest part. You ready? It only takes 30 seconds for you to fix that. This is the way God wired us. Here we go. We're going to do it. Take your bulletin. Take a pencil. 30 seconds. And so you draw a square. The first line you exhale and hold for four seconds. Ready? Like slowly exhale through your mouth. 
and you just hold that for four seconds. And slowly you inhale through your nose and feel your lungs filling up and going to your abdomen. And you just hold that and just rest in that. Then you exhale everything out again, feeling your lungs empty as you draw the bottom line. Complete that box as you inhale through your nose slowly. This is a technique that professionals use, military uses, to de-escalate stress. It's a simple breathing that allows us to just find rest because that's the way God wired us. And so when you're feeling hyperventilating or you're fighting and you feel your brain, reptilian side of your brain, amygdala taking over, pray. Take a moment to pause, breathe, do the box exercise. Here's what Christians do. With each line we say, Lord, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, Son of God, have mercy on me. And you do that slowly, each line slowly. And you're breathing and you're meditating, you're clinking with God. And this is what God is encouraging us. Are you doing the basics? Are you drinking? Are you breathing? And so... That's the first part. Second part is a little quicker, but second message here, what it, so Elijah eats and he gets enough strength. He goes to Horeb for 40 days. He's traveling. That's a lot of good food. And then God finds him in a cave. He says, what are you doing here? And what is God asking for? He knows where Elijah is. He's saying, Elijah, what's going on with you? That happens twice. And then at the end, God says this. Verse 11, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. It's so important. What God knew that Elijah needed was in his fear of Jezebel, he forgot God. And what God is doing here is, I want you to see and remember who I am. I want you to see me. And so Elijah goes out, and there's nothing better for you and me in our deepest exhaustion of serving God and living life as best as we can for the Lord to be rejuvenated by being intimate with God. It is not Hawaii. It is not a five-month vacation. You know how you and I and every sinner and every human being were created? We were created to find fullness of life in intimacy with God. How do I know that? The Bible says that. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my power is made perfect in your weakness. We complement each other. You're weak, I'm strong, I'm God. When you come to me, we are perfect. Isaiah 40, 30, 31. Even youth grow faint and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. See, vacation doesn't make you. A different job doesn't relieve that exhaustion. And that's why we get exhausted. We think, I know, I need a different job. I need a different husband. I need a different set of children. That's what I need. And you get that and you realize, no, that's not doing it for me. It's God. And so God is showing himself to Elijah in his moment. And how does he come to Elijah? First, there was wind that cracked rocks. Surely this must be God? No. Well, there's fires. Blazing fires. Just amazing fires. Just like Moses. God came to Moses in fire. And here we were told, no. So 
must be earthquakes. Earth is shaking. That's certainly God. That's what natives believed. God is angry at us. And the Bible tells us no. Where was God, friends? He was in a whisper. In the Hebrew, the word is a sound of a thin silence. And in a world where we love noise and background music and constant noise, we can't stand silence. We can't listen for God. The point of this is this. God can come in many different forms. He can come in any way he chooses. Sometimes he comes in silence. Are you able to listen to that? And what's important is, I think the text is saying to us, you have an expectation of how God comes to you, and that's dangerous. Because when you look for God this way, you're like, he's coming, but God comes over there, you miss him. Some of you, we, th we think God comes when we go to a retreat or, or 500 people are singing and hands are raised. I'm like, oh, surely God is, I feel God, I feel God. Wait, so if some elderly lady is home praying on her knees, God's not there? He comes in any different setting. And we have this preconceived notion God only comes to us in certain settings. People miss God just like they miss Christ. This, can anything good come from Nazareth? This carpenter, he's riding on a donkey. How could this be the Messiah? And people missed the whisper that was incarnate in Jesus Christ. Friends, the point of this is God wants to reveal himself to us. Isn't that good news? And the point of this is we miss God. And so instead of letting God show up under our term, the most important moment in our exhaustion is this. God is saying this. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to go anywhere. The first thing you need to know in a whisper is, shh, be still. This is God's message to us, to Elijah. What you need more than anything else is me. I'm here. And so the most important thing actually, actually is more important than that. It's not how God speaks to us, but if God speaks to us, whether in loud, in silence, in fires, here's the kicker. Are you willing to listen and obey and trust him? That's the message. What does Elijah do after this? He gets up and he does God's mission. It wasn't how God spoke to him. Elijah was restored because the word, the living word, Logos, spoke to him. Friends, we have Jesus Christ, the living word. He is our refreshment. He is our renewal. And his only job is simply to stay close to God. That's your job and my job is only to stay close with God. And this is why we're doing Rooted. That when you spend 20 minutes with God each day studying his word and writing out a prayer to God, every day you feel and you remember the storms may come, the threats may be there. But God, you are saying to me, I'm here. And I think so, lastly, let me answer this question and we're done. Why did Elijah get so angry and scared about Jezebel? I think commentary hit it, and this is a cool tie into this message at the end. Elijah saw people saying, the Lord, he is God. Prophets were dead. Israel, his people are going to finally turn around. They're going to repent. The king Ahab will repent. Did that happen? No. And instead, he gets threatened by Jezebel. And this is what God wants to show him. Elijah, you can't beat them. But that's not your job. Your job is just to be my messenger. The only thing that could change people 
Your responsibility is not to change the nation. That's my job. And Elijah got scared of Jezebel because he realized, I tried everything. I was a faithful servant. I'm the only one left, and no one is left. And God is showing him, first of all, I have a thousand more, Elijah. He says that later on. But second of all, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. You're not going to defeat the world and evil by power or might. But what? Can we read it? But by my spirit, says the Lord on the house. And God comes to Elijah, Elijah to teach him, you will never win by your own wisdom and power. That's my job. You stay close to me and you speak my words. Let me do that. And so a lot of our stress and exhaustion comes because we think we could fix everything. You think you could fix your kids sometimes. You think you could fix your school system, the work, the state, the country, the next president. And what God is saying, stop, stop, stop. I am the Lord God, not by might, nor by power. Elijah, rest. Stay close with me. Listen for my still voice and follow me. Will you listen to the still, small voice of God and follow the Lord? Let's pray. Lord, we're exhausted. News makes us exhausted. And the world shouldn't be this way. God, we, we know that we've been burned and the pandemic has been rough. But God, we thank you for this reminder that the key to exhaustion is not just sleep, but it's rest and sleep in you, the provider of these essentials. That what we really need to hear is not the answer and the quick solution to complex issues, but it's to turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ who conquered sin, who was victorious on the cross, who rose again. And God, may we trust in your spirit. May we trust in that still, small voice. And not only trust it, but when we hear it, to obey it. May we be so close with you that you are the refreshment. That the refreshment doesn't come from you, but it is you. Thank you for that hope that we have. And we pray this with a prayer that we say together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.